Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be able to be together this morning. In, in case we haven't met, my name is Josh Mutter. I'm the lead pastor here at West Heights, and it's good to be together, whether it's in person or virtually this morning. Uh, thank you for joining us. You know, from time to time, it's good to reflect on who we are and what we want to be about as a church, and understanding a bit of our story is a really good place to start. And so I'm going to start here by just telling us a quick story about where we've come from, and I'm going to show some pictures that are a bit of a blast from the past. They're going to go on the screen behind me. Uh, see, back in the late 70s, there was a Bible study group that met in the home of Bruce and Dolores Winger, and something really special was happening in that Bible study. And the folks that were attending that Bible study started attending the church that the wingers attended. That's a Rosebank BIC church just outside of town. And soon that church was overflowing. And after exploring a few options, the decision was made to start a BIC church here in Kitchener, in the Forest Heights neighborhood of Kitchener. And in November 1978, the first service was held at West Heights Public School. That's the public school that a number of our students attend. That's where our first services uh, took place, just down the street. And in 1986, we built this facility. Now, this story is a whole lot more about arriving at a place and building a building in a particular location. But it's the story of a, a group of people who had a vision for what a community of followers of Jesus could look like in this neighborhood. And you know what? Next Sunday is our 45th anniversary of seeking to live out our purpose together as a church community. It's 45 years to the day. Now, my guess is that we would have phrased it differently back then. But today, when we talk about our mission, we phrase it like this. We say that we want to help people find and follow Jesus. That is the reason why we exist. That's the reason why every church exists. We just This is how we phrase it here at West Heights. And we say that our vision is to be a vibrant community of followers of Jesus that serves our neighbors by meeting needs and showing love. And these two statements guide how we understand who we are and what we are about as a church community. Now, here's something that I, I've often thought about in pretty much every, actually, in every church community I've ever been a part of. I, I've often looked around and thought, gosh, this is a weird party. And I say this because if you look around, like, where else would you have this assortment of people together with, with a singular, single focus? I mean, here we have the young and the not-so-young. I didn't say old, but the not-so-young, right? Oh, I guess I did say it. And, and we have people who represent different cultures, who speak different languages, people who have vastly different experiences. And here we are together. And i got to tell you, when my 40th birthday happened a couple years ago, I briefly thought about inviting all my friends and my family together to one place to celebrate it, but I bailed on that idea because I couldn't imagine how that group of people would hang out together. I couldn't figure out the relational dynamics. I said, that's crazy. I'm not doing that. And that could be true here, but it's not, and it doesn't need to be. See, because of Jesus, something miraculous happens in our relationships. And because of Jesus, we are invited to, to come together to engage in a mission together. And that points us in a direction where we are moving together. And so our big idea this morning is that as followers of Jesus, we are part of a purpose that is bigger than ourselves. And so to guide our time this morning, we're just going to look, look at a few verses from Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 19. The Apostle Paul writes, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. 
And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You know, if you were here with us last week, uh, you would have heard me talk about how the early church had grown to include people who at one point, folks would have said, that, you know, they're never going to be a part of us. But it changed. See, the early church started out with people who had a similar set of experiences, a shared culture, and a shared set of beliefs. The early followers of Jesus were, were initially mostly Jewish. But then things began to change, and non-Jewish folks, those are the people that we call the Gentiles, came to follow Jesus. And so last week we looked at how the early church had to wrestle with a fairly significant difference of opinion. Really, it's a difference of theological beliefs. And we discussed how the Holy Spirit was the one who brought about a change in thinking that reflected God's heart. Well, in the verses that we just read this morning, it kind of touches us on this idea as well, too. See, as the church grew, how it understood itself in relationship to people who were culturally different from them needed to grow as well. And so in these verses, the Apostle Paul is, is writing to those folks who may have felt like they were the outsiders, to those Gentiles, and he's saying, because of Jesus, you are a part of this thing that God is doing. You are no longer on the outside, but you have been brought right into the inside. And it all starts with this understanding that because of Jesus, we belong to God's family. Now, when I was 10 years old, my family moved right in the middle of the school year, which means I had to change schools in the middle of the school year. And what this meant was that I was dropped into an environment where there were some existing social circles, right? People already had their friends. People had the people that they played with. And they had routines and, and activities that were already well established by the time I got there. And while I was present with them in class, while I was present with them on the bus, while I, I even played with them during recess, there was a real sense that I never really felt like I belonged. Like I always felt like I was on the outside looking in. And as Paul is writing to this community of followers of Jesus, the, the, the Gentiles, he's acknowledging that some of them may not feel like they belong to the Christian community by virtue of the fact that they are Gentiles. And to make this point, he uses two terms. He talks about being foreigners and he talks about being strangers. Now, in the first century, to be a foreigner, literally, you are somebody who doesn't belong to the land that you're a want, you happen to be in, uh, to be a foreigner meant that you automatically were looked at with suspicion and you were disliked. To the point that it was said that it would be better off to stay home. Regardless of what home was like, it would be better off to stay home than to be stuck in a foreign land. And the term stranger, it's marginally better, but not a whole lot. You know, these were folks who had taken up a permanent residence in a new country and were even paying taxes for that privilege, but they were still not considered at the same level as a naturalized citizen. See, to be a foreigner or to be a stranger meant that you were somebody who was always on the fringe. And using this image of, of some of people on the, on the fringe, Paul looks at these Gentile Christians and he says, this is not you. It might feel like it's you, but it's not you. Because of Jesus, you are no longer on the outside looking in as somebody who doesn't belong. But because of Jesus, you have a home. You belong here. You are a part of this family because of Jesus. Everything has changed because of Jesus. And so for those folks who felt like they were on the outside looking in, this is a radical statement. It's a radical statement because it acknowledges their existence, it acknowledges their value, and it creates space for them to, to pull up a seat to the table. And for others, this is a radical statement because it's a challenge to recognize those who have a right to be there and that their community is bigger than those they've grown comfortable with. 
You know, when it comes to a church community, there are a lot of reasons why we might feel like we are on the outside looking in. There's a lot of reasons. Let me just name one reality of life here at West Heights post-COVID, and we've talked about this in the past. And that is the makeup of our gatherings, like who, uh, who goes here on a Sunday morning. That is different than it used to be. And it has changed quite a bit over the last couple of years. And this has led to quite a number of us feeling disconnected. People who, I've heard this from people who are brand new, and I've heard this from people who've been here forever. We just don't know people. Let me share a couple numbers with you this morning. There are approximately 456 people that call West Heights their church home right now. And I say approximately, all these stats they're going to throw at you today are approximate, and they can become better if you fill out a connection card or you give us your information, okay? (laughs) Some of you haven't given us any information. You just go here. That's fine. Okay, you can do that. But approximately 400... Was that subtle enough? Okay. Uh, (laughs) Tell us you go here. No. Uh, There are approximately 456 people who call West Heights their church home right now. And on a, any given Sunday morning, or I should say, on a, our average attendance for uh, on a Sunday morning services uh, for 2023, so January till right now, is 241 individuals attend our Sunday morning services. That's about 200 people who attend in person. That includes up here and what's going on on our lower level, as well as 40-some-odd people who regularly join us online. And that stat's approximate because it's really hard to gauge how many people actually join us online. But we have a regular group of people who join us online for a whole variety of reasons. Health reasons they can't make it in here. We have folks next door that watch us regularly, people who are traveling, people who aren't comfortable in large groups. You know, there's a whole variety. And you know what? We're going to keep doing online because it actually increases our accessibility. And so we're going to keep doing that. And for those folks who are wondering, okay, so how does this compare to pre-COVID? Well, our Sunday mornings, the in-person number is a little bit lower than the five years pre-COVID. But if you add in the new people that we're reaching online, we are actually reaching as many, if not more, folks on a a weekly basis than we did pre-COVID. That's encouraging. Now, while I don't have stats for this, and I wish I did, I can tell you that anecdotally, there's been a shift in who calls West Heights our church home. We know this. Some of us have been attending West Heights for a long time. There's a few of you who've been here right from the beginning. That story that I told about that living room, you were there for that. There are some of us that that's true. And then there's others of us who have been attending much more recently. Maybe it's just been a matter of weeks, and that's okay. That's great. It's fantastic. And the reality is that more than a few of us across, whether we've been here a long time or a short time, are kind of feeling like right now like we're watching what is happening from the fringes. And this isn't any one person's fault, any, any group of people's fault. It's just the reality of how things are right now is the result of the change that's happened over the past few years And what could easily creep in is this feeling like we are fringe people, that we really don't belong, that this place belongs to somebody else, but it's not us. And so this morning, one of the things I want to do is I want to really pop that bubble. I want to say, let's put that aside. That's not true. And I want us us to to invite us to think about making this place, how we can make this a, a place where people belong or people experience a sense of belonging. You know, whether you've been here a long time or whether you've been here just a short period of time, You are a valuable part of God's family and a valuable part of this church community. And we want to help you find your place here. Maybe for the first time, maybe all over again. But the thing thing is, in order for this just to be not just a warm, nice sentiment, because they can say, that's a nice thing to say, we all actually have to do something about it for this to become a lived reality. And the first thing is that we have the responsibility. We need to recognize that we have the responsibility to help one another belong to help one another find and experience a sense of belonging. 
You know, a sense of community doesn't build itself. And so if we want to be a church where people belong, if we want to be a church where we experience belonging and where our kids experience belonging, we need to each become a part of creating this culture of belonging. And this can look like helping somebody, uh, helping somebody find the kids' check-in area on a Sunday morning, maybe help them find their way to the lower level. It can look like a conversation in the foyer. And let me just say, I was at a family gathering yesterday, and somebody, somebody who knew me as a child came up to me, and they said, oh, you're at that church. I was there once a couple years ago. They invited me to stick around for a cup of coffee and a piece of cake and get to know somebody, and nobody talked to me. I was like, oh, man. We can do better than that, can't we? We want to develop a culture of belonging, and we're all a part of that. We all have a responsibility to help one another belong here. And so with this in mind, what Alyssa talked about, about this uh, connection crash course, is one of those initiative things that we want to really encourage us all to participate in because we want to create this culture of belonging, this culture of welcome. And it's a way of helping us learn and relearn and, and practice together what does it mean to connect. And it's for sure essential for our welcome teams, but it's really something that we want all of us to be involved with because we each have a responsibility to help one another connect. And so I really do hope to see you next Saturday morning at 10 a.m. The second thing is that we have the responsibility to pursue belonging. We have a responsibility to pursue belonging for ourselves. You know, over the past few years, I found myself telling folks that in order to be connected here, that what they really need to do, what we need to do is, is, is make sure you come out to certain events that we have throughout the year. Events like the chili cook-off, the corn roast, and the picnic. These are just informal opportunities to connect and hang out with people. And then activities like Halloween for Hunger and neighborhood cleanup. These are ways that we come together and we serve alongside others. And as we come alongside and we work with other people with a purpose, relationships kind of grow. And the reason why I say this is what we do here on a Sunday morning is great, it's important, but it isn't enough to help us connect. This is a rather formal gathering, and so we need to engage or put ourselves in positions where we are in shared spaces with others, where we are engaged in activities that put us beside one another, where we can have conversations while we're working towards a similar goal. That's what's going to help us be connected and find belonging. Now, for those of us who are, are keen on pursuing belonging, let me just highlight two things that you're going to be hearing more about in the new year. The first is, in the new year, we're going to be launching a new house church and the details for this are still being ironed out, but at this point, we're talking about this happening on Thursday evenings here at the church. And if you're, you know our church calendar, you're like, wait, isn't youth group happening? Yes, yes it is. And the idea is that for some of us, we might drop off our kids during student ministry and we might stick around and get to know some people and be a part, engaged in a house church group where we can get into deeper relationships with other folks. And so stay tuned for more information on that as we put that together. Another thing that we are working on is an intentional, being intentional about uh, connecting with folks who feel like they are new to West Heights. And Heather and Shane, do you want to put your hands up over there? These are, yeah. <laughs> I talked to you about this, Heather. <laughs> Heather and Shane are kind of taking the lead on this as we are going to be putting together a, a few, what we're, we don't have a better name for this. We're calling this newcomer event, but it's, a, it's not for, like, if you've only been here two weeks. No. If you've been here for, like, a while, a while and you haven't connected, we want to help you connect. And Heather and Shane are going to be helping us with that. We'll put together a couple events throughout the year. We'll get together for a meal, hear a little bit about West Heights, maybe get introduced to it, and then really just spend time initiating some relationships so that when you get into the foyer, you might have some people to connect with. And so stay tuned for that. Now, to get back to our passage this morning... We want to note something else here, and that is our belonging together, it isn't just about feeling warm and cuddly, 
It isn't just about being comfortable. But our belonging together results in having a united purpose. There's more to belonging than just we have a club. It is to result in us doing things, being on mission together. You know, as the Apostle Paul talks to these folks about how they are a part of the household of God, he doesn't want them to think that this belonging is just about being comfortable. Rather, our identity, that we are a part of God's family, is supposed to be lived out, is supposed to be expressed through the things that we do together. And for Paul, because of Jesus, these individual members of God's family, they fit together into something bigger And he changes his language from relational language to construction language as he talks about how what Jesus was doing, what Jesus came to do was to build a new type of temple, which would do the things things that the physical temple of Paul's day could no longer do. See, the temple represented God's presence. It represented God's presence for the Jewish people. And in the Old Testament, you would read these stories of, of God's presence hovering over the temple and being physically present there so that ordinary people as they came to worship would would come close to God's presence and would experience him for themselves while the the priests are are, are leading worship. And even for the Gentiles and the the non-Jewish religions, a temple represented the presence and the will of whatever deity that temple was dedicated to. And so what Paul is doing is he's taking this idea, these ideas of of the temple, and he's saying that these followers of Jesus are uh, not only belong to God's family, but because they belong, they are being assembled into this new type of temple that Jesus is building, a temple whose purpose it is to bridge the gap between heaven and earth, making God accessible to our neighbors. And Paul wants to be clear that this isn't about us. Rather, we are a part of something that started long before us. With the prophets and the apostles, the prophets being the ones who for centuries pointed towards the coming of Jesus and the apostles who walked and talked and listened and learned from Jesus and shared what they learned to those first followers of Jesus. Paul says this is the foundation of this new thing that God is doing, this new temple. And at the cornerstone, the thing that this whole building is assembled from is Jesus himself. Jesus himself is holding everything together. And because that foundation is secure, you and I are being built together. And the terminology here suggests something that doesn't just happen once, but is ongoing and continuous. We are being built together to be the place, to be a community where God himself dwells and shows up. And we get to be a part of this. And so together, we become that connection point. We, can become, we are this connection point where God's presence is shared with those around us. You know, as a local church, we stand on the legacy of those who went before us. And they built on the legacy of those who went before them. And at each level, what was happening is, is something is being built on, on God's people and what they had done and, and their steps of faith and the decisions that they made and their, their legacy of faithfulness. And the ultimate foundation is Jesus. But what we are each trying to do at each stage is express in our own time what God's purpose for his people has been to bring his presence into into contact with our neighbors, our family, our friends, the people we go to school with, co-workers with. As his followers, we bring his presence with us to the places we are. 
Now, we could go in a couple directions with this, but I want to talk about our focus on serving our neighbors and, 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 by meeting needs and showing love. That's a part of our vision statement here as a church. And I, I wish I had updated stats for this, but I, I grabbed these numbers from the community center next door, who in 2019 uh, shared this stat with me, that over 24,000 people live in the catchment area of the community center next door. That's our neighborhood. 24,000 people live in our neighborhood. That's a lot of people within a very short distance of here. Within, like, what, 15-minute walk, 5-minute drive, 24,000 live, people live here. And that should encourage us, that should challenge us to, to think about how can we live out our purpose of bringing God's presence into our neighborhood for the sake of the people around us. And that's going to happen more, I think, now through the things that we do than through the things that we say. And I think we can be encouraged by Jesus who says this, let them see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven because they've seen your good deeds. And here's the reality. Who we are and what we do is going to shape what our neighbors think about God in, in huge ways. Who we are and what we do will shape how our neighbors understand God. And so it matters that we went to nearly 1,000 homes in our neighborhood on Halloween for hunger. And I talked with one neighbor as we were going around collecting uh, food. I was talking to one neighbor who asked who we were and what we were doing. And I explained that we were from West Heights Community Church. And in that moment, they were experiencing Christians doing something positive that was an expression of our faith. And that's going to become a part of how they understand God. That is going to be a, become a part of the story of how they understand the church and our church. And that's a good thing. It matters that back in the winter, we collected over 16,000 diapers for the hamper program at the community center next door because that shows our community that Jesus cares for their daily needs. And we know that over 120 families are regularly accessing that support from the hamper program that happens at the community center. And that's, that matters. It matters that, w that we collected garbage from the community space behind the church over here. Because what we were doing when we did that wasn't just collecting trash, but we were showing our neighbors that we are invested in the well-being of this neighborhood, that God cares about the well-being of this neighborhood. You know, our neighbors might never articulate it that way, but the things that we do become a part of how people understand God. And serving our neighbors by meeting needs is a key way that people say, see Jesus through us. Now, our focus as a church, our, our purpose and our mission is, is not always outwardly focused, although that's a key part of what we do here. But a key aspect to how we understand our united purpose here is, is our ministry to emerging generations. And sometimes on a Sunday morning, we can hear the noise of the worship happening underneath. I can hear it. It happens right underneath me. There was a time last week or two weeks ago, I'm trying to lead a meaningful prayer time here, and all I can hear is the thud of worship. And in my mind, I'm like, focus, Josh. That's pretty cool. I wonder what's going on there. We've got to pray about this thing, Josh. But they were having a good time down there. That's important. If we hear that noise, that is amazing. Because let me tell you, we here at West Heights, out of that 456 people who, who attend West Heights, call West Heights home, 120 of them are under the age of 18. 45 of them are students. 75 of them are kids. And if we could add to this, they're over 18, but we have a young adult group that's about 17, that comprises about 17 young adults. You know, these numbers represent a, a picture of how we understand ourselves and how we understand our purpose. That we at West Heights are intentional about investing in the lives of children, students, and young adults. 
in inviting them to find and follow Jesus for themselves and to find their place to belong in this community. And so this is a part of who we are. This is a part of how we understand ourselves. So this is why we invest considerable resources into, and we will continue to invest considerable resources into the next generation. Next Sunday is our anniversary service. And we're celebrating, and, and what we're going to be doing in that service is special because we're going to be celebrating who we are and what we're about as a community. And we're going to do it in a service that looks different. You know, normally we have a service where there's a couple songs, announcements, I talk for half an hour, and then a song, and you all breathe the sigh of relief and walk out. Uh, you breathe the sigh of relief not because of the closing song, but because I'm done talking, okay? I, 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 I get it. But next week, we're going to include a bunch of different elements because we, that we believe represent something about who we are and what God is doing in our community. We're going to have a couple of child dedications next week where parents will be coming to, to, to and will be pledging themselves to uh, promising to lead their kids to the best of their ability to to know God for themselves. We want to introduce our children to God. And as a congregation, we're sitting here not just as passive observers, but we are joining with them and saying, yes, we are going to cheer you on in this. We are going to love you. We are going to support you. We are going to provide a place of belonging for you and your children. That is what, we, what happens at a child dedication. We are going to have a baptism. We are going to be celebrating what God has done and what he's continuing to do in the life of Victoria. And again, this is not an individual act. It might feel like an individual act, but it really isn't. It's a communal experience where together we are celebrating what God is doing and we are cheering somebody on. And perhaps we are inspired to take a step of faith as a result ourselves. And we are also going to be having communion together. There's no sermon next week, in case you're keeping track. You're like, okay, we have baby dedications, <laughs> baptism, communion, and he's preaching for half an hour? No, no. I organized this so I wouldn't have to preach. No, uh, we are, no, no preaching next week. That's what this, this is your anniversary s Sunday sermon for next week, okay? We're having communion next week because as we celebrate communion, we are recognizing that what Jesus did for us has changed our relationships, he made it so that we can know and love Jesus and, and know and love God and be a part of his story, but it also makes relationships possible with the people sitting around us. And so communion is an important part And we, as we recognize that together we are a family of God and together we are engaged in the mission and purpose to do big things. And because we know that the, that the, the church includes our children, normally they're downstairs. Next week they're in here for this entire thing. We're doing this on purpose. It's going to be chaotic. It is going to be nuts. It is going to be noisy and squishy, and we're embracing all of it next week because together we are the church, not just those who are too old to go downstairs. <laughs> together we are, maybe they're the church and we're the ones that are left. No, together we are the church, and we want them here, and we are embracing the noisiness. And so parents, if you're afraid that your kid's going to talk too much or wiggle too much, don't worry about it. My kids are going to talk and they're going to wiggle. I can't keep control of my kids. You can do whatever with your kids, okay? And they might have conversations in the middle of the service about what's going on. Take the moment to explain it. It's okay. In fact, I know Pastor Shar has been sending out material to parents that we can use at a, over the dinner table, as we have dinner over the course of this next week, to explain baptism, to explain communion, to explain child dedication. Prepare them for this. And we're going to have fun together. It's going to be squishy, by the way. And so, you know, as we post-COVID, we're used to having a little bit more room. 
we're going to have to move, sit right tight together, and that's a good thing, okay? And so I hope that you will be, make a point of being here next week, that we can celebrate all of this together, and afterwards there will be cake in the foyer, and so cake and coffee and, and squishiness, it'll be good. But together next week we are celebrating who God has made us and what God is calling us to, and you are a part of this story. Whether you've been here just today, a couple weeks, or a long time, you are a part of this story, and I want to say thank you for being a part of this church community. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. And Lord, thank you for this church community and Lord, for what you've called us to. Lord, we've acknowledged that, that the, the vision that, that resulted in a church being here in this neighborhood. And Lord, we, we want to give thanks to those who've gone before us, for those who've gone before us, Lord, for the legacy of faithfulness, a legacy of ingenuity, a desire to, to, to make you known in this neighborhood. We want to say thank you for that. And Lord, as we are present here together today, and as we look to what the future might hold, God, would you give us dreams? Would you give us ideas? Would you inspire us and give us opportunities to represent you well in this neighborhood? And not only that, Lord, in the places that we live that aren't this neighborhood, would you use us to bring your presence in a way that can be felt, a way that can be experienced, a way that can be known by our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, the people we go to school with. Lord Jesus, we're excited about next week. We're excited to celebrate so many good things, so many milestones. Lord, as we, as we prepare for next week, would you just give us a sense of excitement and optimism Lord, may we, have a, may we be quiet enough to listen to how you're at, move, you're at work moving in our lives and the lives of others. Lord, may we be a, a church that uh, really leans into how, uh, creating a sense of belonging for all of us. In your name we pray, amen.